episode four of the NHL Trade Talk podcast. We're talking all about day one of NHL free agency, some of the big signings, some of the big trades, uh, some huge moves from some teams. Massive surprise, too. Uh, Johnny Goudreau going to the Columbus Blue Jackets. We're going to break it all down. We're going to talk day one of NHL free agency. This is episode four of the NHL Trade Talk podcast. Welcome, everybody, back to another edition of NHL Trade Talk, the podcast. My name is Jim Parsons. I'm here with NHLTradeTalk.com, the Hockey Raiders, a handful of other places with Brooke Laferno. As always, Brooke, we had for day one of free agency today. Uh, how are you? What did you think? Uh, it's been a lot to process today, free agency. This one seems a little more solemn for a lot of reasons. A lot of good players moved that weren't really expected to move. So we'll get into that though. Well, especially for you, right? Cause this is a, you cover the Chicago Blackhawks and you guys were very busy leading up to today. Not so busy today, actually. Yeah. Um, although you lost a couple of other players that you knew you were going to lose, but um, yeah, it was a busy day. I think there were actually less deals than there were on free agency day last year, but it didn't feel that way. It felt like it was steady kind of all the way. Mm-hmm. I mean, the first deal was Jack Campbell happened to what? 10 seconds after the, noon hour or what have you eastern time and so obviously that deal was already in the books but uh yeah we're gonna get to that let's start with the trades because we are a trade talk show and we deal with it and there were some whoppers today uh Mm -hmm. so we have plenty to talk about so it's really not going that far off the path we'll get to some of the signings in a minute maybe have some fun at the end but uh let's get into some of the trades first i think maybe the there were two really big ones i think maybe the biggest one could be the max patch trade out of vegas He's going to Carolina. In fact, both of these guys went to Carolina today. Uh, he goes for future considerations, which in today's NHL language means absolutely nothing. So he's going over there, uh, just a salary cap dump. No retention by the Vegas Golden Knights here. Just Carolina picking up a good player, about $7 bucks. What did you think? I mean, I have an opinion. I'm going to let you go first. But what do you make of this trade when it happened? That's what I mean. It was solemn in a way. I, I I didn't expect Brent Burns to go anywhere in his entire career, to be honest. And it's not because he kind of is a shark for life kind of thing. It's also because his play has kind of declined a little bit. I mean, I he's still a very good serviceable defenseman. I didn't expect, though, another team to take on that full salary of his for sure at his age. But like I said, he still is a serviceable defenseman. He could be very good for the Hurricanes. But um uh, that was an interesting one for sure. Out of all teams, I didn't expect it to be Carolina for sure. I figured it'd be like the Coyotes or something because they're like the team that takes on everyone's cap um, issue. So, but yeah. Well, the two teams that we'd heard were in on Brent Burns heading into today because there were some whispers that this could be out there. And Mike Gear, the new GM of the San Jose Sharks, was maybe looking to, to do something here. It was Carolina and it was Dallas because Dallas was going to lose John Klingberg. They're still going to lose John Klingberg. He's gone to market. He's probably going to sign tomorrow, uh, which as a lot of people are going to hear, this might be Thursday. So it could be today. Uh, They were in on it, but they were also in on maybe Jeff Petrie. So there was some back and forth Carolina uh, looking to make some moves here today. So they picked up a good player. Uh, He played a lot last year for the San Jose Sharks. And uh, what was he like third or something a nice time in the league. So he's going to be useful, but he is, he's got what three years left on his deal. So it is uh Carolina adding a veteran. We'll see how much he continues to play as his contract winds down. what do you think about the patch deal? Patch kind of cracks me up because it seems like he's always the scapegoat 
for team's issues. I mean, with um, the Canadians, I know that was a little different because it was reported that he asked for a trade, but that kind of helped their cap. And now with Vegas, now he's the casualty again for the cap. Um, I, I've always liked Pacioretty. I always kind of hoped he would be on the Blackhawks at some point. I've always liked him as a player. Um, but again, it's like, I don't know where Carolina's coming up with <laughs> all of this room. I felt like they took a lot of salary on, but then they kind of lost salary when Trocek just obviously left. Um, so um, I don't know that deal. I think it could be good. I mean, Carolina's obviously going for it as they should. I think Patretti will help them for sure. He's a good goal scorer that hasn't changed even with his age. So I'm actually going to say it was a good trade. Vegas had to dump salary. We'll talk about that later. They're kind of a mess. Um, but yeah, do you yeah. know, I'll say it was good. Yeah. They, I mean, they did, they got Andre Kosh, they got, uh, Brent Burns and they got Patretti all for around 13 million which is not that bad, actually. Like, yeah. when you consider that they retained, I think San Jose retained, like, 33% of Brent Burns' salary, and then Vegas didn't retain anything. But that's not bad. I mean, those are, yes, we don't know what those guys are going to be like. Pacioretty could still score. Um, it's pretty much the only thing he does really well, but he's a good yeah. scorer. He's pretty fast. But uh, Brent Burns plays solid minutes. Andre Kosh should be okay. He was, like, one point something million. I think the same thing Toronto offered him, and he just decided he wanted to go to Carolina instead. So, um they did a lot with 13 million bucks, but we'll see how it pans out. Uh, as far as the Vegas stuff goes, I mean, we could talk a little bit about it now. This is just another example to me of how poorly run this organization is. Yes, like I just, I, I can't believe that they have messed this up so badly. This is the second offseason in a row now where they've dumped a very valuable player for nothing. Like mm-hmm. they gave away Marc-Andre Fleury, who had just won the Vezina Trophy, gave him away. And you guys were, you know, the lucky benefactors of that in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And now they've given away Max Pacioretty just simply to stay, you know, a below or a salary camp compliant. And you know what they'll probably do? They'll probably go and spend money in a place they shouldn't. Uh, getting guys like Jack Eichel, getting guys like Mark Stone. I mean, they're good players, but they missed the playoffs. Like they right. just are so badly wanting to compete, 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 compete. They have no long-term vision. They don't understand, or at least they don't seem to understand how the salary cap is actually going to hurt them. I just think this is a mess. Like, I don't know what they're doing over there, but this is just another example of like, how, who gives up Pacioretty for nothing? Like, mm-hmm. I get it. If you don't like the player, that's one thing, but you should be able to get something for him. I think yeah. if they were actively shopping them and they could retain a little salary, they would have got something. But the fact that they needed all that salary to go, they gave him away. The second yeah. year in a row they've done it. I mean, I don't know. Am I hard on them? I know a lot of people are like, no. oh, they, but they seem to be the whipping post for a lot of people this, this time. No, I don't think you're hard on them because I think the team was built with such high expectations with all the star power they kept getting with Jack Eichel and Max Pacioretty and all this stuff. And they, it's like they just can't get there. And it's like, okay, well, if you're doing things that's almost kind of like a cheat code of like getting everyone superstars and you're still not making it, something's wrong. And so, no, I don't think the criticism is harsh at all. And that's the other thing that's confusing about this trade. It's like good for Carolina that they were able to get two good players for nothing. Um, and it makes me wonder what Pacioretty's um, market was unless Vegas was so desperate to unload the contracts that they just kind of jumped at anything. Um, but like you said, the fact that you can't get anything for a very serviceable forward in Max Pacioretty is very confusing to me, but no, I think they're kind of just reaping um, the effects of kind of their own doing. Um, I thought the Blackhawks poorly mismanaged the salary cap and they have, but this one's a little um, more hard, I think because they've spent so much time stocking on star power and it hasn't worked in their favor at all and 
they're kind of like the show offs for sure. They get people and they're like, we're doing this. We've got it. We're right there. And then they kind of just give up on them. It's kind of, um, I almost think it's bad business on their part for sure. If you're a player and a team too, the fact that you're just very, um, you can go at any moment with them. It's like your, your resume kind of doesn't mean anything to them at this point. It's like, okay, well, sorry. Bye. Like we saw that with Marc-Andre Fleury, he's a hall of famer and he kind of, they kind of just, um, set him, sent him away. So yeah, I don't think the criticism is harsh at all. They did it to themselves. Yeah. And that's one of the things they have the biggest problem with is one, they've completely abandoned what worked for them in their expansion season. They were the Cinderella story of sports, right? They went all the way to the final in their very first year and they had this monkey, like they had this chip on their shoulder, like nobody believed in them and they did it. And then they completely bailed on that whole plan and went and got all the shiny new toys and have no loyalty to their guys whatsoever. Like Patcheretti, when he's healthy, he's a top line guy. So mm-hmm. it'll be very interesting to see how much this continues to downward spiral for the Vegas Golden Knights. Cause I don't think this is even scratching the surface of how bad this team could actually wind up being. Um, let's talk about another trade, kind of two trades in one here. One that we thought was almost done. Connor Brown was supposed to be going to the Edmonton Oilers, the way that they were talking about this all day. This deal was almost completely finished. And then the Oilers, I guess, couldn't move the contract they wanted to move to clear space to get Connor Brown in there. So Washington comes in with a second round pick and grabs him. That's a pretty good trade for the Washington Capitals. Uh, Connor Brown's a really good player. Talk about serviceable forwards. He played more ice time than anybody in, in Ottawa amongst forwards. So uh, Edmonton wanted him. They still probably wish they could have got him, but they just couldn't move pieces around enough to make it work. So Ottawa decides to move him. I'm assuming here that Ottawa is doing this because they want to go get a defenseman. Um, they had a very, very busy day. And they, I think, were one of maybe, and we'll talk about this later, one of the winners for free, uh, free agency for me. Uh, how useful do you think Connor Brown's going to be in Washington? What did you, th- what'd you think of that deal? Do you know what? This was very Washington. Uh, and I'm saying that in a good way, it's a very Washington move. They always seem to try to stockpile forwards during free agency and it does work in their favor because they're competitive every year. That's what you need to do. So I actually think it was a great move for them. Um, I've always liked Connor Brown too. He was actually someone I wish that maybe the Hawks would have targeted if for an Alex to um, return and it just doesn't work out that way obviously but um, I yeah I like them a lot I think like I said they're always looking for scoring in Washington and it's always worked in their favor maybe abandoning other things like goaltending and stuff of which they did address but um, yeah that's a good move for them for sure that will keep them competitive I think and that's what you need so the fact though that he was only worth a second round too it's kind of uh, that's interesting to me I think he could have gotten more for sure yeah I think one of the, the kickers for him is he's only got one year left and I, I wonder if there's a concern like it happened with Evander Kane. Now it worked out well for the Oilers uh, last night and today. But uh, if Connor Brown has a wonderful season, which he could absolutely do, uh, he's going to be due as an unrestricted free agency, a contract extension. Now, Washington has, I think, the ability, depending on what's happening with Nick Bastrom and how out long term he is to potentially sign Connor Brown. I don't think the Oilers did. I think they would have liked to have the player. I think they were looking for him to capitalize on one year, kind of like Evander Kane did, take advantage of that and then see what happens. But I don't know that he was sticking around long-term. So when you only got a guy one left, I think he's kind of a rental, right? Like, cause he's going to be a UFA at the end of all this, maybe Washington keeps him, maybe they don't, but uh, that could, could explain some of the return there. Um, What about the Blackhawks? They made a couple moves today, um, picking up two guys, uh, via free agency that I believe and the reason I'm slotting this in here with the trades is because I think they're going to get traded. Like, I don't, I don't know if you're keeping Andreas Athanasiu or Max Domi 
if you're Chicago, when they first signed these two, I'm like, what the hell are they doing? And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I know what they're doing. They signed them to $3 million deals one year. These are tradable assets at the deadline. Okay. And Chicago doesn't want them to actually try to win games. At least that's how I see it. They want them to have good seasons, be playing higher than they played in. Other, you know, Max Domi didn't really get top line minutes, but he's going to in Chicago probably. Um, <laughs> and uh, FNC is probably going to get top six minutes in Chicago. If they have good years, they're tradable people, right? Mm-hmm. And Chicago can pick up draft picks for them. And I think that's what they're trying to do. Am I wrong? Is that probably what you think Chicago's trying to do here? Yeah, for sure. I think that was everyone's kind of thought process was, oh, those are tradable assets. When you look at Max Domi, he's a player that every team seems to be in on at the trade deadline. You hear his name at this point during every trade deadline. I know that there's always like controversy around his play. Is he worth it? Is he not worth it? But obviously a lot of teams do think he's worth it. And I hate to say it, but I do like those moves, not just for the trade um, kind of perspective of it, but those are actually pretty serviceable forwards. Um, Anthony CU makes so much sense. It's funny because the team wants speed, speed, and speed. He's mm. one of the fastest skaters in the league. That makes so much sense. And there's also kind of, I think, a proponent of it, like of what players were willing to sign with the Blackhawks. I mean, obviously everyone knows the Blackhawks are not going to be very good next year. Um, I think it's kind of a prove it for both players too. I mean, Max Domi has been kind of moved around a lot. He hasn't really found footing in the past few years. Um, Anthony C is kind of the same way. So maybe it's kind of a prove it for them too. And I guess there's no way to better way to establish yourself than on a bad team where you can be the man you can prove yourself on this team because there's no really high expectations there. So, and there's no harm in it. Um, they're signed very cheaply one year, 3 million. If they're a fit, great. Um, and if they're not, they're easily, um, replaceable. So there's really no harm in that either. So no money, no term, yeah, I think it was pretty good. So I actually like those moves a lot. Yeah, it's funny middle ground, hey, because they've, they've grabbed these two players who, to me, are not big enough difference makers mm-hmm. to make the Blackhawks good. You right. know what I mean? Like, because don't Chicago doesn't want to be that good. They'd like to be a lottery team. They'd like to get the best odds and maybe draft them first overall. You don't want to bring in people who are going to help you have you not do that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, because if you know, and you're, I don't want to say tanking, but if you know that you're trying to rebuild and you know you're not going to be very very good and you don't expect to be you don't want to bring in guys that are going to stop you from getting to the bottom um but you want guys that can play and get points and maybe do it on their own and you can trade them and pick up the picks so it's an interesting strategy uh and it's the first thing that sort of makes sense to me from chicago's perspective here um i know that they're rapidly going through this rebuild and dumping it quickly Mm -hmm. i i couldn't understand or wrap my head around some of the other moves they're making these these two actually sort of make sense to me Um, yes so sure. that'll be fun to watch and see what else they might do, because I would imagine that they're not finished. If this is the strategy that they're going with, uh, yeah. they're probably going to look at some of the players that didn't get signed today on the first day and look at and see who's okay. Who hasn't been signed yet? Who could we get? Like Ryan Strom went to Anaheim today. I'm not really sure why Anaheim did that other than they need a couple guys that could be more like what Chicago looks at doing. So uh, yeah. I'm curious to see where they go with it. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about some of the free agent signings that happened today. Um, some of the bigger names, if we didn't talk about it, we'd be uh, not not mm-hmm. doing this show a service. So Johnny Gaudreau was the big one. Took a really long time for that one to get done. I think most people figured one of three teams, either the New Jersey Devils, the Philadelphia Flyers, probably the New York Islanders, and it was the Columbus Blue Jackets who got them. Uh, mm-hmm. I hadn't heard anything about Columbus prior to today. Mm-hmm. And then it was Frank Valley that sort of put it out there. 
maybe about a couple hours in is like, yeah, they're, they're trying to make a splash here. They're trying to do something and they're making some noise. I didn't know if Goudreau was actually considering it. Didn't seem like he was, but then all of a sudden we find out that he is, he signs for seven years and 9.5 million. I think it is in Columbus. Maybe we should have been tipped off by the Eric Branson signing from earlier because they're good buddies. And that wasn't a huge overpayment by Columbus, but I guess you got to do that if you're going to get Goudreau. Uh, were you shocked by that signing? Yes, very shocked. It kind of reminded me of the Dougie Hamilton signing when he went to the Devils because it seemed like a lot of big name teams ran on him. And then it was like, oh my gosh, he signed with the Devils. What? Mm-hmm. What happened there? So yeah, Columbus, of all the teams, it was kind of like what I was saying before, of all teams, that's not a team you would really expect to link with someone like him, especially knowing that the Flyers were supposedly in on him and the Devils were supposedly in on him. But I got to say, that's an A-plus move, I think, for Yarmo Kakalainen, um, the general manager. I think that was a great move on his part. They have no stars on that team. They've kind of just had no identity in that department. They had Panarin and Bobrovsky and Matt Duchesne at one point. But then after that, they kind of just had no one really um, to build around in that aspect. You need stars, too. Um, so I thought that was an A-plus move, but definitely shocking for sure. I thought he was going to end up on the Devils. Um, I thought hundred percent he was going to the devil, especially cause that was what was mostly pushed. Um, again, Columbus came out of nowhere, but that's the thing about free agency. You got to look out for the sleeper teams. There's teams that just throw in offers at the last minute that just totally throw everyone off. So good on Kakalinen for being kind of the sleeper team that, that just kind of came in and got them. Yeah. Well, New Jersey did make a pitch from what I was reading. They did. They did try. Uh, just, I don't know if that says something about New Jersey or if that says he wanted to go to Columbus more. I'm not really sure it does certainly scream that he did not want to stay in Calgary because he's leaving whatever that is, $15 million on the table, not staying in Calgary, whether that's in Canada or Calgary specifically, or he just wanted to be East. I don't really know, but I was surprised. I didn't, uh, I don't see much in Columbus, so I don't know. And Goudreau is a really talented, skilled, dynamic player, but I don't know if he doesn't have the pieces around him, how effective he's going to be. So I don't foresee him having anything close to the season that he had this past year where he scored about what, 115 points or something like I just don't see it. And so unless Columbus adds something else, I hope this is not all they're planning on doing because he's certainly not enough to make them competitive all of a sudden. And we'll see because mm-hmm. um, he's, he tends to disappear a little bit at times, especially mm-hmm. when the games really matter. And Columbus added good brands and they said, because they wanted to be tougher to play against. Goudreau is really skilled, but I'm not sure he's all that tough to play against. So mm-hmm. uh, other than just trying to stop him offensively. So that was a shocker for me. Uh, goaltending, not so much of a shocker, although you were a little surprised by the Darcy Kemper deal. We talked last time on the show about where you thought he might go and you didn't see Washington as a fit. I'd heard it. I thought that maybe they'd make the push, especially when they dumped, you know, Vitek Vanacek and everybody else, especially when they didn't qualify Samsonov um, or Samsonov, however you say that. So Kemper goes to Washington. He gets five years. Uh, Jack Hamill goes to Edmonton. He gets five years. The Edmonton one was not much of a secret. Uh, mm-hmm. Happened right away. So what were you still surprised today when you found out that Kemper was going to Washington? Yes, only because I thought there maybe might have been a bigger market for him than it seemed like there was, if I'm being honest. Maybe there was, and it kind of just wasn't really highly reported because it seemed like there's a lot of teams that need goaltenders and Washington was there. And I honestly, like I said, I told on the last podcast, I would eat crow if Darcy Kemper (laughs) ended up in Washington because I didn't see it. And obviously I was way wrong about that, but it makes sense. Like you said, it does make sense that they lost their goaltenders and they needed a goaltender and that makes sense. So, um, yeah, I still don't know. 
like I said, but I'm still on the thing of, I don't know how good of a fit that is. Darcy Kemper's kind of, even on a good Colorado Avalanche team, could sometimes struggle a lot. So we'll see how that works on Washington, who's had some goaltending issues last season. Um, we'll see how that works out. But yeah, I guess in the face of things, not surprising how that all turned out, but didn't see it. Didn't well, see it. you know what? The case could be made for both of these goalies because, you know, Kemper's had moments where he's really good and then moments where you're like, yeah, maybe he's not the guy you want to put five years behind. Jack Campbell, same thing, right? Sometimes he's really, really good. I think at Toronto last year, he won like a ridiculous amount of games in a row and was really solid. And then all of a sudden he wasn't so great. In the playoffs, he wasn't wonderful. Um, and Edmonton's relying on him being a starter. So been playing 50 games or so. I don't know. It could go really well for both teams. It could go poorly for both teams. We're going to see, but they've, they've banked on these two guys and, and picked up. And those were the big goaltending moves today. There were a couple other smaller things that happened. Some backups, even Edmonton picked up another guy in Calvin Picard, but uh, that was kind of the big moves there. Let's uh, let's have a little fun here with the free agency stuff. Now we've, there's other names we could talk about. We could spend all, all day, all show going through all of the signings. Cause I think there was like 80 something to 90 yeah. different signings today. So we're not going to do that whole thing, but let's talk a little bit of like winners and losers. So if we go through, you know, I don't know if you want to go back and forth. If you want me to just toss some team names out there or something like that, we'll, we'll say winners or losers. And then maybe we'll pick a winner, uh, you know, grand scheme overall day winner and grand scheme overall day loser. Um, let's, let's fire off through a couple teams. Uh, do you want to start? Do you have a team that you you'd like to chat about first real quick? Oh yes. Detroit, the Detroit Red Wings is who I'd want to start with. Yeah, I okay. I'll go first. I actually think that was okay what they were doing today. They were very busy uh, because they just had the ability to be very busy. They had a lot of money to spend. Steve Eisenman was really looking to shake things up. They had quite a few players. Some of the signings I think could be an interesting risk. I mean, you know a little bit about Dominic Kubelik. He goes there. David Perron goes there for two years. Andrew Kopp was the big surprise to me, even though he's from there, uh, that he would choose maybe Detroit. Uh, Dylan Larkin's a big, big factor there. Uh, they've got uh, Vili Huso in the deal earlier. So they added a lot of pieces. The trick for me is I don't know if they added enough to be that good. I don't still think, I still don't think they're a playoff team. I don't know if Eiserman's done. So what do they, like for a guy like David Perron, what are they expecting here? Are they thinking that, because Detroit's not going to be a playoff team in two years and he signed a two-year deal. So are they hoping that he likes it there? and says, okay, well, I'll do another couple of years at the end of this one for a smaller deal or something like that. And then maybe he turns in, because if when you're finally good, he's probably going to be gone. So I, I'm not really sure exactly what Eisenman was trying to do, other than maybe just say we needed players because we were pathetic last year. Uh, maybe that's what they're doing. I don't know. What was the impression you got from them? Yeah, I think those were statement signings for sure. Uh, last year, Detroit was very inexperienced, but looked like they could be trending upwards maybe if they just had more veteran experience to add with all the young talent. So I thought Perron actually made a lot of sense um, for them. I thought that was a really good signing. He's always been consistently good, um, good, reliable player um, for the Blues, probably one of the best. So I thought that was good for them. And Andrew Kopp, I love that signing for them. I think he's going to provide them with a lot of good offense. And obviously Dominic Kubli, sneaky good signing. And they got him on a good term there too, with two and a half million um, for two years. So um, yeah, I'm going to say, I actually think they did really well. I know you said you think maybe, okay. I think they did really well. I know they want to be more competitive than they were uh, last season. And I think he's going for it. They got the goaltending now. Um, and obviously now they got the veteran leadership, they added goal scoring. So we'll see how, if that works out. I know it doesn't always work out. I don't think he's done though. Iserman's pretty smart and knows how to track talent. So we'll see, but yeah, you're right. I don't think it's enough, but I think it's a good start. 
I should mention they added Ben Sherratt too on the blue line. Mm. Uh, and when I say, okay, I think what I mean to clarify is that based on where they were, I think they did a very good job, but based on if they were a competitive team to begin with, then this just sort of puts them in that range of they're still just competitive. Maybe we'll see, but they had so far to go to be a good team uh, that that's why I say it's okay. But I think they did a lot. They accomplished quite a bit today. Um, okay. I'm going to throw this at you. What about the Blackhawks? We briefly talked about them uh, overall. If we take the last couple of days and today winner, loser, Chicago. I'm going to say it's a winner. Alex Dabrinkit, obviously, I think was the worst trade ever. I still do think it's bad. But free agency-wise, these signings, I think, are total winners for the rebuild. Like I said, they don't want to be good. They want to be bad, and they're kind of committed to that. So I respect the fact that they're committed to that vision in the way that they're not, you know, spending a ton of money and they're not doing any term on any players. It seems like they're just willing to let everything go. So I'm going to say for their vision, it was pretty good. It stuck to that, even if it's terrible but that's what it is. Yeah. You know what? That's, that's true. If you're looking at it from the perspective of this is their plan and this is what they're doing. And if they continue to do it, like if they add a couple more pieces that they think they can trade, mm-hmm. then I get it. They're full in trying to get as many drafts and prospects as they possibly can before the trade deadline next year. Cool. It might not be the plan everybody loves, but it is a plan and yeah. it might not make a lot of sense to a lot of people, but if they stay committed to it, then you know, okay, well they did this on purpose. So uh, for that reason, I think it was probably, I wouldn't call it necessarily a winner, but I get it, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's the thing. Um, but yeah, the whole, it's going to be hard. I feel for you, you know, as somebody who covers the team, because I know it's going to be a struggle there for a little bit, but. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. your turn. You want to, you got another team out there? Okay, so since we talked about it earlier, but didn't really get too far into it, Ottawa. I think they were a big winner today, actually. Um, I think that other than they, they need a little more help on the blue line because Tom Schwartz is not enough. Um, but I think they did quite well at enclosure uh, picking up Alex to They've got a very strong top six. Um, I wouldn't say the best in the NHL. I don't know if I'd even put them in the top five, but they might just be outside of the top five in terms of the top six and forward groups. So I think they did a really, really solid job. Um, so I like what they're doing. It's, it's nice to actually like good things seem to be happening in Ottawa and that they're spending a little money. Cause this is a team that has notoriously been like Arizona where they Mm -hmm. just don't spend anything and they dump stuff. And, you know, it just, it's a different feeling. There is a different vibe around this team and they look like they might actually do something. Um, And so that's really cool because it's, it's nice to see people want to go there. It's nice to see people want to be involved. So for the fact that I think there's a different vibe around this team and some of the pickups that they did, I think I'll call them a winner. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. All right. Um, What about let's, let's go to Columbus. Do you think that, the, the Johnny Goudreau stuff and the Eric Branson, is that enough? Or is this just, you know, playing and, and it isn't, it isn't quite there. No, I don't think it's enough. Um, I know this from watching Columbus last year against the Blackhawks. It's like they have some things, but just it's not there yet. Um, they have some good young pieces like Adam Bulkfist, um on defense. And I think it was a good start. Goudreau, I think, is a good start of building a solid core, I think. Um, but it's not enough, I don't think, for sure. I think they're going to need a lot more um, established forwards than just continued young forwards. They're going to need something. They're not there. but So for their free agency, like I said, I love the Goudreau move. I thought that was amazing But for them personally. But yeah, I would go like maybe average. Like It's a good start maybe, but not enough. All right. We'll do a couple more. Your turn. We have to talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning. That it's interesting. Like 
three eight-year deals. Uh, I heard somebody on the radio say it was kind of like Oprah Winfrey. You get an eight-year deal. You get an eight-year deal. You, like they were just giving them out today on players that are good, but not probably worth eight-year deals. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the salaries varied, so I get that whole thing. But it sort of felt like Tampa. Some I saw somebody put it today, and it made a lot of sense to me. The Tampa's got maybe an arrangement with their players. It's like, okay, you you take a bath and you eat it on your second deal. And when it comes around time to get the long-term thing, we'll make it pay off for you. And if that is actually what they're doing, I think Tampa's in a world of hurt in the next few years because they're going to start giving out contracts to people that they probably can't get rid of. And okay. if they're giving out eight-year deals like crazy to people just to say thank you for the times that they gave them a good deal in Tampa, which, by the way, I don't know why you'd have to thank anybody. It's a state-free tax, and they're a yeah. competitive team. So you'd think a lot of people would want to go there. Um, it's interesting, right? It, they kept a lot of people, but they let a lot of people go. And I think they took a step backwards. I'm going to call them a loser because I think they're not as good as they were going into this. Uh, they kept some of their guys, but those eight-year deals, I think, are going to hurt them. And I think they lost some key players. Yep, I totally agree. I think they were the total losers. There is something to be said about eight-year contracts in the league. They usually don't age well, especially for players that have been there a while. And yeah, it works for them now, but maybe four years from now, it's going to bite them. What about the New York Rangers? What do you think of them? They had Vincent Trocek on a seven-year deal, but they lose Andrew Kopp. They lose Ryan Strom. Um, ha, yeah. I, don't, I don't really love what they did. What about you? Yeah, I'm going to call them a loser. I like Vinny Trocek a lot. Um, he's a good player. I think he'll be good for them, but that's a lot of depth you just lost. I mean, obviously Trocek makes up for some of that, but you had some pretty good players that kind of helped um, establish them to the Eastern Conference Finals. So, yeah, I'm going to say there's a loser uh, for sure there. Now I think they just messed up some chemistry on their top six for sure. Yeah, I'm very curious because, uh, you know, I get if you're worried about you know, Ryan Strom not being as good as he was and having to give him a huge raise, but it must have been, and we talked, I think, a couple of shows ago about how nobody likes to leave the Rangers. Well, clearly that's not true because Andrew Kopp chose to leave the Rangers and go to the Red Wings. Like, mm-hmm. that was pretty obvious. So the fact that he didn't stick around, I think, was a surprise. And that the Rangers, that was their big move, getting Trocek today. That shocks me because the Rangers are typically a team that makes a splash. And I don't know that this would qualify as a splash. 5.6 million in seven years for a guy who's probably not worth that. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. All right. You got another one? Um, Actually, we should probably talk about Anaheim. Okay. Anaheim didn't. What, what other did they do other than get Ryan Strom here today? Like Exactly. Did they, How did they improve? That's yeah. a big loser. I mean, they might have added some small pieces uh, yeah. that we sort of overlook when we talk about some of the bigger names. But yeah, that was really it for me. They waited till the end and they, I think they have money to spend. Um, they were supposed to, we had heard, get Josh Manson back. It sounded like that was, and then he signed in Colorado this morning really early. So uh, he's sticking around. So they didn't get him. Um, it's interesting because I don't think they're going to be a competitive team. I think they're in in many ways, um, kind of like Chicago and that they're going to add some pieces that they could potentially move. And although Ryan Strom's deal is not one that you're going to move, it was a five, yeah. what, five-year deal at 5 million yeah, bucks. Five so years. Yeah. I think it was he's like sticking a around, year. right? Like yeah. that's, that's the deal with him. So he's clearly somebody that they would like to have, you know, lead people yeah. and, and grow with the team, I guess. But yeah, I I'd call them a loser only because they're inactive, but at the same time, I'll, I'll put an asterisk beside it because they're clearly not done they yeah. could turn into a winner when this is all over. Cause there is always those people out there who didn't get a deal and they're going to come in at a huge bargain. And if yeah. that's the case, Anaheim might pick up some of those people. Yeah, I agree. Okay. I got to ask, cause it's my team. Uh, what about the Oilers? Um, 
that was a very interesting 24 hours for Edmonton because it started really late into the evening on Tuesday when we got shocking news that Evander Kane was coming back. Yeah, I don't think anybody really expected that. Um, then Brad Kulak goes out to test the free agent market. He comes back for your deal at a very reasonable number. Uh, they get Jack Campbell right away in free agency. They did miss on Connor Brown. They were there for it, um, but didn't quite make it work and didn't make any other trades to move out any salary. So I'm going to call them a winner. I know that might sound biased because I cover the team, but I like what they did. I mean, obviously Campbell could be really good. Might not be that great. We're not going to know for a little while. Uh, but I think Evander Kane's deal is fantastic. I think it's a really good value for what he does and what he was able to bring. And I like the Kulak signing. I'm a little concerned if the Oilers have an injury on the left side that he's not going to be able to fill those minutes. So maybe they need to add something else, but they have some money left to do it. And if they can make a trade and move somebody else out, I think they did pretty good. So I'm going to call them a winner. Yes, I agree with that. I think the main thing besides Evander Kane, which is good that they were able to retain him because of what he meant to the team um, last season, the goaltending. But Oilers needed goaltending somewhere, anywhere. And the fact that they addressed that and were able to get Jack Campbell, to me, makes them a winner already. Yeah. And they needed a left shot defense uh, because Duncan Keith retired, right? So had they lost Kulak, that would have been very painful for them because the only one they would have had left was Darnell Nurse and then Philip Broberg and another rookie. Like that would have been it. That would have been their whole left side. So uh, that would have been very interesting. Okay. So overall, who would you say? And we're still early. We're only one day in. So a lot can change in the next you know, 48, 72 hours, whatever. Who would you say is probably the big winner? I say Detroit is the big winner. I just, I like all the moves that Iserman made today. As painful as it is, as Blackhawks fan to say it, I think he made good moves. So I'm going to say Detroit for sure. I'm going to say the Ottawa Senators. I really like what they did. Uh, Not necessarily just because of today, though. I think what they did over the last few days, uh, adding to Brinkett, getting Claude Giroux, um, doing some really smart things. I think that's going to be super, super helpful. That team. That's my big winner. All right. Who's your big loser? Ooh. Um, do you know, I'm going to say the Philadelphia flyers. It seemed like they were in on a lot of people and then nothing ever came to fruition. <laughs> seemed like they just lost on two big players. Um, and Johnny Gaudreau and who am I missing with them? Am I missing someone? Well, that was the big one that we were rumored to be in on. Um, yeah, they did and to break it, they were rumored to be in on yeah. too, and they kind of lost out on both of them. So I'm going to say them. It seemed like they're struggling. Yeah, well, they, they signed D'Angelo, which kind of put them out of the market for everything, yeah. right? And so that, to me, is interesting because D'Angelo, in many ways, like Evander Kane, has a bit of a reputation. There's always a little bit of a risk there. He can be really high reward, but it could also backfire on you. And Philadelphia is not a team that I have any clue of what they're doing. Yeah, like, exactly. I, so, yeah, I'm with you. I think that one's a loser too. Uh, Vegas for me is the big loser today. Like, and going into this, they were the big loser, but they didn't add anything. They can't, they have no money to do it. They dumped one of their best forwards, if not their best scorer, uh, for nothing. And, uh, they made a whole lot of other teams quite happy. Uh, I think overall their whole strategy and what's happening with that team is really, I, I feel bad, but I don't for Jack Eichel because there's something about that dude that you just kind of don't really feel like rooting for him, but you also feel pity for him because this dude's been in the league a long time, not made the playoffs ever. Doesn't look like he's picked the right team to try to, you know, attach his horse to. So I don't know, but I think Vegas is the big loser here because that was a brutal, brutal trade. That was, I, yeah, I agree. There was a lot of losers today, I think. Yeah. Well, that's what free agency is, right? You very rarely have teams who, when you look back at this day, go, that was a, 
huge win. What usually ends up happening is people overspend because I don't know what it was, but I think it was like $800 million was given out today in the terms of these contracts. That's usually how free agency goes, right? You're overspending on guys that you probably should have done different things with to get in different, like you just lose. That's usually what happens here. The big players on free agency day tend to lose and they have to figure a way to wiggle out of all these deals. So uh, do you see any more trades coming? Do you think we've got yeah. anything on the on the horizon here? Is there going to be a lot more action? I, I do think so. I think today was maybe a good indicator of what could come. I do think something's going to happen with Dylan Strom. I don't know why he's still out there, um, considering he had a pretty good season. I think a lot of teams would want um, his services. So I think something's brewing there. I don't know what. Maybe a trade. Maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. You think um, you, but, Well, he's he's technically a free agent now, isn't he? Because he yeah, wasn't qualified. He yeah. So yeah. I wonder if he winds up with Anaheim in Anaheim with his brother, that'd be interesting. But if they are interested, cause you'd think they would have done both of those deals at the same time. If they were honestly, Dylan Strom was kind of something like that on the Blackhawks. They could also, to me, in my mind, do a sign and trade. He was a, when he was a free agent last time, he was left on the market a long time and the Blackhawks ended up signing him. That's kind of where my mind is. Maybe a sign and trade. Maybe, I don't know. Anything goes. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see. It'll be fun to watch. Uh, I think there's a lot more action. I'm with you. Um, We'll leave it there. We were very lucky while we did the show. Nothing major happened. I was shocked. Mm-hmm. I was surprised that we're still waiting on Nazem Kadri. That's the big one out there. That has not happened yet. And I'm a little shocked. He must just be waiting for that one team uh, to kind of come in. And I'm picking the Calgary Flames. That's the team I think is going to make the big pitch. I don't know if they'll land them, but I think that's the team that's going to make the big, big pitch for him. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we'll talk a little bit later, uh, maybe at the end of the week or something. I guess it's almost Thursday. Um, maybe next week we'll figure out what happens over the next few hours, but appreciate you doing this again for everybody else who's listening. Uh, we appreciate you tuning in. Download the podcast, share it, give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. We greatly appreciate it. This has been another edition of the NHL Trade Talk podcast uh, for Brooke and myself, Jim Parsons. Uh, Thanks, guys, and we will talk to you soon.